Thank you for tuning in to a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy. Well, good morning. Hey, thanks for choosing to be here on Sunday morning. It's beautiful out there, but you're choosing to come to church, so I hope it's a great morning for you. But anyways, if we've never met before, my name's Aaron Master. I'm the pastor here. You're, what you're in for is a one-hour service with a mission to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. I like to say we do here what every good Christian church should do, which is to help you connect with God in a worshipful way and help you grow in your relationship with Him. Our style just might be a bit different than what you're used to or different than other churches in the area, but we want you to know we're still true to the Bible. We take God very seriously here, and we want to guide and encourage you every week you're here. Today we're continuing a series that we've been calling Bold, and we're studying through the book of Acts and seeing how people who followed Jesus had this newfound confidence in the ways of God. It provoked them to make bold moves to not only deepen their personal faith, but to help, them, or to help the church have this boldness and grow. Now today we hope God creates this newfound confidence in your own personal faith, but then also confidence to help the church grow as well. So today, to get started, I want to ask you the question. When you think of bold, what do you think of? What do you think of when it comes to bold? Sometimes, for me, when I think of bold, I think of graphic tees that are out there. Like, how about this one? Yeah, I lift. I lift cookies to my mouth, right? That's me. I, I do that often. Uh, maybe it's this one. I put ketchup on my ketchup. Who are my ketchup lovers? Come on now. Oh, over here. Ketchup people. Yes. All right, ketchup people are over there. But that's a bold statement, right? I put ketchup on my ketchup. How about this one? This one doesn't even need text. It's just, it's just basically saying this, right? Bro, bro tank. Uh, or have you seen like these ones, the, the gym shark? Like I feel like you need to be a buff dude to wear that. Like I, I'm in the gym all the time. I'm a shark in the gym. Well, maybe I just need to put that on that shirt. I don't know. Doesn't work, right? That's not a bold statement. How about for these ones? These ones maybe are a little bit more out there, like a statement like this. Whoa, kind of bold. Or this one. Whoa, kind of bold. Or how about this one? Don't wear that around here. That's a bold statement, right? How about this one? Don't wear that around here. Bold statement, right? It's hard to make verbal bold statements sometimes, so we use shirts. And on that note, uh, we have t-shirts for y'all today. Uh, hopefully you don't feel like you're making too bold of a statement wearing a Centerpoint shirt, but we have free shirts for you to take on your way out, uh, and we hope that it is a subtle statement, at least that you like this church and you want others to know that as well. Uh, but grab one after the service. We have some unisex sizes, we have some women's sizes and kids' sizes, and everybody can have one. Nevertheless, wearing a shirt is bit, it's a bit of a statement as it takes some boldness, right? For this series, the way I want us to think about bold is we've been saying it's behavior born out of belief. Boldness is your behavior born out of belief. And I mean, it's just so true, right? When you really think about it, you're confident because you believe in the style or what it says, or you're willing to take a bold risk with something because you believe it's worth it. You're willing to be direct or outward about something because your belief tells you it's true. Boldness or bold moves is your behavior born out of belief. And it's what we see many people in the Bible model early on in the church, in their faith. After Jesus left, his disciples were bold in what they believed, in their actions, in how they prayed, and in how they spoke. 
We see this all over the book of Acts, but this is a verse we've been looking at each week, and it, it says this. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Even though they were ordinary people, no special training, what they did have was they had this encounter with Jesus and what he offered. And their bold behavior was born out of their belief and trust in Jesus. So today, we're studying this. We're studying this book of the Bible in hopes of us having some of those same bold feelings towards God. And specifically, we're talking about being bold when it comes to our words and what we say. And this one is hard. It is hard. I think it's much harder than wearing a shirt. At least I think. That's my opinion. Because I want you just to think for a second. Have you ever wondered, when it comes to faith, when you should speak up and when you should be quiet? When you should defend and when you should withdraw? When you should boldly speak or when you should not speak at all? I don't know about you, but even as a pastor, even someone who for a living speaks about faith, right? I still struggle with having confidence and, and having clarity on how and when I should speak to others about faith and beliefs with strangers, with my friends, with enemies, with family even. Can you relate to that feeling? Today, my goal is for us to find confidence and clarity to help you understand when you should boldly speak about and for God. And honestly, when maybe you shouldn't. So that's what we're going to look at today, and there's no greater place to look in the Bible than in Acts, the book of the Bible we're studying, because there are so many powerful speeches, debates, words exchanged, conversations done by the disciples or followers of Jesus, who were people just like you and me. Now, to get us started on what we're actually covering today and look at the scripture we're studying, I want to just recap on what we covered for the first two weeks for 30 seconds here. In week one, we talked about how we should have bold faith and it, the reason we should have that is because you have God with you, the Holy Spirit with you, when you become a Christian person. That should give you boldness. And you've seen God do some amazing things in your life and in others' lives, and that gives you boldness. And then in week two, we talked about how the, when you receive these promptings to act for God, to do things for God, to be bold, you can know that it's gonna expect, you can expect some opposition, you can expect a cost, and you're going to expect that you're going to have to risk faith to do it. Again, with these two things, though, bold faith and promptings from God and even amidst opposition, you shouldn't boldly speak about God unless you have that relationship and unless you actually have a prompting to move forward and speak up for God. Because again, how we're thinking about boldness today is boldness is behavior born out of belief. So your bold speaking, it should be because you believe deeply about what you are about to say, not just boldly making a statement about a new thought or a new idea or a new concept that you maybe don't totally understand. So today we're going to look at four different people, and these four, they definitely shared a lot lots of words about Jesus, and it's all in Acts, and for some reason, the Brady Bunch came to mind for me, I don't know, has anybody seen the Brady Bunch? Who knows the Brady Bunch in this place? All right, the Brady Bunch, I don't know why this came to mind, but it was a giant family, basically, I feel like I'm like old for like knowing the Brady Bunch, I don't know, but it's an older show, and what I, how I kind of see the four guys we're going to look at is I want to call them the Talkative Bunch. Because they talk a lot. And we're going to be looking at Peter, Stephen, Philip, 
and Paul. And I want to talk them the talkative bunch because they talk a lot. And apparently they might be like a family. I don't know. They have really cool beards. Maybe that's what's needed to be in this family. I don't know. But they talk a lot. So let's talk about each one just briefly here. Peter. Peter is who we looked at the last two weeks. Peter, we've seen him just boldly stick this dagger in with his words. Whenever a Jewish religious leader would challenge him, and if you don't know, the Jewish religious leaders were known for being hypocritical. That's what a lot of scripture alludes to. And they would challenge him in front of other people to try and get him to mess up, to try and get him to just say something wrong. And they'd be like, why are you doing this serving? Why are you doing this healing? Why are you doing this teaching? And Peter would just boldly stick it into them, and he would say, it's through Jesus. It's through Jesus that I'm doing this, and you were the ones who got rid of him and crucified him unjustly. Uh, A verse that looks like this, it's in Acts 2, it says, fellow Israelites, listen to this, Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited to God, to you, by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you, you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, again, this is Peter speaking, you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Yikes, right? He's intense. He's bold in his words. Now, our next guy, Stephen. Stephen, he shows up in Acts 6. And Stephen, he's a newer follower of God, but he's seen as this man full of faith and with the Holy Spirit. He's put in charge of this ministry with six other guys, and he was bold, he was an effective witness, uh, and he was a defender of the faith. I mean, Acts uh, says this, it says, Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, he gets challenged. And what they do is this. They secretly persuaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. They produced false witnesses who testified, this fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. And then they specifically ask, is this true, Stephen? Have you actually said these things? And Stephen just goes off. He just goes off in like a giant sermon. And I want to think of it almost like a roast. Like he is roasting the religious leaders as he's doing this sermon. And this is kind of a bad example, but like in my mind, I kind of picture it like this in the scene in Liar Liar. Check it out. Maybe not that harsh. But he was very direct, very direct about what the religious leaders were doing, and he goes off. He does this in the whole chapter 7, and it's some 60 verses long, so we're going to spend the rest of our morning reading that. Just kidding, just kidding. But the verses that he does and like what this passage and his message is all about is basically that Israel and the Jewish leaders, they have this long history of resisting God and his servants on how they pushed them away and killed anyone who was, did anything contrary to their liking. Well, the Jewish leaders are ticked that he does this message in front of everybody, and they respond by a stoning, as in they kill him. And as he's being murdered by stones, it says this, As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees, shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Yikes, right? Bold words, and in response, he dies. 
Our next person we're going to look at, Saul. Saul is someone who used a ton of words, explanations and speeches for God, and he was actually witness to seeing Stephen die. It's in Acts 8.1. It says, Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. On that day, a persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Well, Saul, later known as Paul, used to not be a Christian. Paul is a big-time writer of the Bible. He's written tons of books in the Bible. But he was changed. Saul changed, and he changed his name because his identity changed so significantly. He had this powerful conversion in Acts 8, and he starts speaking about Jesus all over. It says in Acts 9.28, So Saul moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He literally becomes this person who writes tons of books of the New Testament of the Bible. And he speaks to all different types of people. Jewish Christians, Gentiles. He speaks to Romans, the Greeks. He speaks to them in their context, and he tries to identify with them to help them know Jesus. The last person, the last person of our talkative bunch is Philip. And Philip is this guy who did ministry with Stephen as well. He keeps teaching and talking even after Stephen's death, even though everybody else kind of scattered. He continues. It says, Philip, for example, he went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. But he has one special prompting from God to have this interaction with an Ethiopian official that was passing by. It says this in Acts 8, 29. The Holy Spirit, or God, says to Philip, go over and walk along besides the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. So Philip teaches, and this man becomes a follower of Jesus and gets baptized on the spot. So from our talkative bunch, we see they speak in trials. They speak to people they don't know. They speak in tense situations and with boldness, right? As I look at these stories and study each of these guys, I think there are some things that we can learn from them, specifically for us to become bolder in our speaking and in our words, but I'm not going to lie with you for a second here. I struggle with all of these things we're going to talk about. Honestly, as I look at what they did, I personally don't love it. I don't really love how they act. It's not my favorite method of evangelism, but my job as a Christian is to be obedient to Scripture, not to love it. And as my role as a pastor is to teach Scripture, not Aaron's way. So the first thing that I think we can see from these, these disciples and apostles is they actually spoke. They actually spoke out. They spoke to non-Christians. They spoke to Christians. They spoke to religious leaders. They spoke to bystanders and more. Has anyone ever like, thought about like, speaking about faith? You're like, about to say something, and then you kind of just go silent. Like You're like, I'm about to say something, and then it just doesn't come out. Maybe kind of like this. You want to share it, then it's like, no, it just doesn't come out, right? That's been me multiple times with things. 
Well, God specifically says, be my witness. Be my witness. He's saying that to us, his, his followers. It says in Acts 1.8, But you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This translation, this is the NLT, it says tell. Tell. Yes, absolutely. Actions can speak louder than words sometimes. And sometimes people will only see how you act. So your actions, they should be a witness to God. But to be a witness, which almost all translations of the Bible use, you usually must testify, right? To be a witness in court, someone has to speak as a witness. In biblical times, it was expected to verbally share. Are you verbally sharing about Jesus? It's getting sweaty in here, right? Pastor's calling you out. Pastor's saying you got to share vocally to speak about your faith to others. It's bold, right? But if you want more boldness, it starts with actually doing it. And I think, I think Philip, he models it for us on how to do this better than any of the other four. Uh, again, I'll read that verse for you. It says, Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah Philip asked this Ethiopian official, do you understand what you are reading? Philip went and he asked a question. He initiated a conversation with someone he felt God was telling him to go to, and he asked a question. I'm going to break guy code here for a second, but in my opinion, asking questions is like the safest way to start a conversation with someone, but sometimes I'm resistant to it personally when it comes to finding things for myself. Does anybody have like maybe a spouse or a friend or someone they know who will walk around a store for 20 minutes to try and find that one thing they just could have asked the worker to help them find and it would have taken like one minute? Anybody relate to that? Okay, so that's kind of me, or it was me, at Menards. I'd be looking, and I'd be looking, and I'd be looking for something, and my wife will be like, just ask someone. I'm like, shh, I know where it is. And I'm looking like an idiot, just roaming around, you know, aisle after aisle after aisle. And finally, the workers are like, he's doing the walk, right? <laughs> he's doing the walk. And they're like, can I help you find something? And my wife will interject, like, thank you, Jesus, right? Like, yeah. And I realized they actually are pretty knowledgeable. The workers kind of know where things are. But them asking me the question started the conversation because I was too stubborn. And then continuing to ask the question, because I do that multiple times in my nards, I'll pretend, or I'll walk around and I don't know what I'm looking for, and someone will eventually ask me. And I've gotten the information I need now because they shared with me. And it started with them asking me the question, can I help you with something? As you think about you and the people around you that maybe you feel God wants you to share your faith with, have you asked the question? It doesn't have to be like a church weird question like, hey, do you know my little friend Jesus? Or, hey, are you going to heaven or hell? Hey, have you been born again? Or, did you know it's a sin to do that one thing? You should stop. It doesn't have to be weird like that. But what if it's just, how are you? Are you doing okay? Are you a Christian? Like, or are you connected to a church family? Those are, that could be as simple as that. And then how they respond, you can either share or not. But at least you started the conversation. You spoke. Who have you felt prompted to do that for lately? Right now, you probably have someone that comes to mind. Maybe it's a neighbor or a coworker or a family member. Maybe it's just a friend. But you might be thinking, all right, what, 
I'll ask the question, but then what do I say? Which gets to the next thing that I think we can learn from the followers of Jesus in Acts. It's, they spoke about what they believed in. They spoke about what they believe in. This seems so obvious, but have you ever had someone try to maybe like sell you on something they didn't actually buy into? I was looking around in like on Craigslist and Facebook and eBay. There's some things that people like try to sell that are like, really? Like, check this out. Like, cat milk? Is that a thing? Apparently is. Uh, but six dollars if you want it. All right, Facebook Marketplace or a pistol-shaped Cheeto, nine hundred dollars. Really? Like, you're trying to sell me on that? Like, how about this one? An extremely full ketchup packet. Where are my ketchup lovers again? Uh, just uh, $10. But, like, it's free. Like, you can get this for free. Like, three of them, not just one. How about used roller skates? Those look awesome. Maybe that one's worth it. I don't know. I mean, come on, right? Like, did they believe it was really worth that value? Maybe, but I want to say no, right? Don't sell or in our situation of sharing about faith, don't speak about something that you don't actually believe in. You as a Christian, you should actually believe in what you are about to speak about. Again, if we look at Acts 4.1, it says, And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. What word of God do you know? You might be here right now and you're like, <clears throat> Yes. I'm not totally sure about this whole Jesus thing and I'll kind of just keep to myself, right? That's what you're saying. Just keep to myself if I don't know all the details about Jesus or the Bible. Not so fast. Not so fast. Just because you have certain doubts or aren't totally sure about things or about everything in the Bible or everything about God doesn't mean you're off the hook or that you should never share or be bold in speaking about him. You just need to speak boldly about the things you do know. And what you can know is you can know how God has moved in your life. You can share that. You can share how faith life has made a difference for you. You can share how you know some scripture or maybe some verses that you do feel is valuable and legit and has been helpful to you. You might not have all the details. You might even have really big holes or questions about faith. But you can share your story, your journey with God, your understanding on the things you do believe fully. This might be really strange for you coming from a pastor on stage here, but like, I want to let you in on a little secret if you, if you don't know already. But this is really hard to understand. It is. And every person in this room struggles of understanding this, of understanding the full revelation of God. It's difficult. It's not easy. It honestly isn't. And when we start sharing about things that maybe we don't fully understand, beliefs, expectations, religious things, we start to get into really sticky situations with people. I failed at this a number of times, um, but one in particular comes to mind as I remember when I first started working at a church, uh, I was brand new of working at a church, and I felt like, whoa, I'm a new religious leader. <laughs> this is like 10 years ago. I know things now. I didn't, um, but I, I was working with teens, and, and conversations with teens can go like one of two ways usually, extremely awkward or really random, right? So that was kind of like the, the situation, got, went really random, and the teen group just literally was drilling me with questions like, hey, tell me about this, Aaron. Is this a sin or not? Tell, tell me more about this. Why do some Christians do this and some don't? And some of these things, I didn't know. I didn't know the answer, and man, I butchered it. I butchered it because I had thoughts and opinions on things, and that's what came out. 
And regretfully so, I think I misrepresented God a little bit because I shared things that I didn't totally understand. I was speaking on something I did not have confidence in. Thankfully, I got to talk to these teens again or another time and kind of redirect things. But to be bold in your words, to speak on things that you do know, is what you should prioritize. And in times when you don't know, speak that out too. As in state, I just don't know. That is totally okay. Ephesians 4.2, it says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. It's okay to not know. Humility is the way of Jesus. Are you being bold by being humble about what you do know and vocal about that? And are you being humble about the stuff you don't know? Words you say in bold situations should be about what you believe deeply, not just your ideas or opinions. I don't know if you can relate to this, but not following that fully kind of like goes into my personal life a little bit. Uh, Not only just religious conversations, but with my wife, it tends to pop out. My wife and I, we get into arguments once in a while, little little frustration moments. And uh, it'll usually start with me being the crabby one, me being kind of mad, me being kind of frustrated. And inside, I start to like get really tense. I start to think like, why didn't you do the dishes? Or why didn't you text me back? Or why did you say that thing? Ah. But what I'm feeling inside is like, that's what I'm feeling. And eventually it spews out vocally, out loud, because I can't hold it in. I can't hold it in and bitterness comes out and bluntness comes out and sharp opinions are shared and it's tense. I don't totally believe the things that come out of my mouth in that moment. I just have thoughts. I just have opinions. And there are many times incorrect and they're purely emotional responses. If I could just hold on to it, reflect a little longer on what I actually do know about my wife, I know she's the kindest, most supportive person I know. I know she cares deeply about me. I know she would never try to hurt me in that way. So my emotional response, sometimes it just creates a bigger mess than it should. When it comes to faith and making bold statements, it shouldn't be our emotional opinions or just thoughts uh, that, uh, that we have in the moment. We should have a, a process to it of things that we've figured out over time, which comes from reading scripture, studying it, analyzing Jesus' life, counseling with Christians, learning in church, being in a life group. That's what the talkative bunch did. They were in groups. They learned from another, one another. They counseled with one another. They thought about what Jesus would do in situations and then did it. As you think about you, What do you need to feel bold about sharing today? What do you maybe need to hold off on sharing about? The next thing that we can see the disciples did, that's when they spoke boldly, is they knew their audience. They knew who they were speaking to. These disciples that we read about in Acts, they were mostly speaking to religious leaders at that time, in which they come across as extremely bold, right? And almost in extremely harsh ways. I was kind of like, chill out, like, whoa, that's, that's harsh, right? When you really read what they did and what they said, they were intense interactions. But it's because they were addressing hypocrisy. Or in other words, people who say one thing and do another. People who say they're living for God, but weren't actually. God in Scripture 
is pretty intense about hypocrites. He is. He calls hypocrites in Scripture whitewashed tombs, brood of vipers, liars, and more is what Scripture refers to people who are hypocrites. Jesus has zero tolerance for hypocrisy, but he has unlimited love for a sinner in need of forgiveness. So when we see our talkative bunch talk to hypocrites, they talk in one way, but when we see them talk to non-hypocrites, it's quite different. When Philip talks to the Ethiopian eunuch, a non-Christian, it's different. When Paul talks to Jewish Christians, people who had an experience with God but are new to Jesus, it's different. When Paul talks to Gentile Christians, people who are new to this whole concept of God, it's different. When they speak to non-Christians, it's different. How one speaks to Christians, non-Christians, and religious leaders, it's different. It should be different. When you think about boldly sharing about God, have you thought about your audience, who you're speaking to? Let's just break down each one briefly for a second here. For religious leaders, who we read about were mostly hypocrites, right, in Scripture. You see from the talkative bunch, they're pretty bold. They're pretty bold to religious leaders. The talkative bunch saw religious leaders teach and how others should be doing certain things, yet they didn't do it themselves. So they boldly call them out. So y'all should feel comfortable doing that, except with me, all right? Honestly, I'm joking, because I want you to do that for me. Like, I, want, I, I am a religious leader, but I, I know I'm not perfect, so I do mess up, and sometimes I do need redirection. Let's talk. Let's get coffee if that's something that's stirring inside you. But that's how you handle it with a religious leader. For Christians, if you're talking towards Christians, you, we should see, if we see something that we want to consider addressing or that you feel you need to speak out on, Paul talks and instructs us on how to do this a lot in Scripture. But it's this tight line to walk. To get us thinking about it, I want to just ask you this question. Does anyone get food stuck in their teeth? Oh, y'all are like lying. No one's telling you that you got food stuck in your teeth then. All right, poppy seeds, popcorn, chia seeds, giant leaves just like wrapped in there, like, right? Who would like it addressed if someone saw it in your mouth? Right? Like, that'd be so awkward. You just went through an hour meeting and like the whole time you had like a giant spinach leaf like across your teeth. You'd want someone to say something. Who wouldn't? right? Like, no one really, right? I mean, we mostly would want someone to address it because we feel ridiculous when we have it in. I mean, that's what addressing another Christian's wrong should be like. It's awkward, but awkward is okay. No one's ever died of awkward. But you saying something to another brother or sister could help, and it's because you care about them. When walking that tightrope of whether or not you should say something, ask yourself, are you just trying to expose their sin Or do you actually care about their personal relationship with God? And if you still feel you must say something after that question, Scripture advises us on how to do that with another Christian. In Galatians 6, 1, it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And then Matthew 18, 15 to 17, it says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Both of these are saying in private and with gentleness. And in order for someone to actually be able to pull that off, you need to have a relationship with that person. No person is going with some creepy Christian that they don't really know and like, I'm not going to speak with you privately, right? No one's doing that. To have a talk that's gentle and with humility, you need to have a relationship with them. 
So in order to really correct a Christian in today's age, you got to be in a relationship with them, and relationships take time. If you see a Christian in need of redirection, are you developing a sincere relationship with them? Finally, the last group that we were talking about, non-Christians. How do you address them? How do you address a non-Christian when you see something that's maybe incorrect? For them, you have to think of it something as completely different than calling out food in their teeth. Has anybody like seen someone make like a bold statement and you're like, whoa, I don't think you meant it to look like that. Like, I'm just being a little silly here, so hang in there with me. But like, if you saw someone like with like maybe like a mullet or something, they're in right now. But like, if you saw it, you might be like, did someone, did your hairdresser miss something? Right? You might be thinking, like, they missed something. Or, or maybe this one, like, I, I don't know if you know, but you got holes in your jeans. Like, do you need some new ones? Or, you know, like, you got holes. Or maybe this one. I don't know if you got, you got something in your head. You got, like, a nail. I don't know if you know that, but you got a nail in your head. Having these things or seeing these things, they might not be your choice of what looks good or what is right or what is okay, but it is theirs. It is theirs. You as a Christian, you've submitted yourself to God's way of living, but those others, non-Christians, have not. Why would they need to live to the standard that you're living uh, if they don't even see the way God wants us to live as the right way to live? How can you boldly accuse them of anything or boldly call them out on what maybe you see as a sin, but in their minds is perfectly fine? You can't. You honestly can't call out a non-Christian, which is why for non-Christians, our biggest role is simply living and speaking in ways that model love, which is the last thing we see from the disciples. They speak in love, or they spoke in love. All of them had bold speaking, but it was rooted in love. I mean, Stephen, right? The guy that's getting stoned by the religious leaders, the guy who was killed, he says this at his death. He fell on his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. He went down in love. This is the way of Jesus. To know how to do this well, you need to look at Jesus. Look at what Jesus spoke about that was bold. And look at what Jesus didn't speak about, which was also bold. We should be bold about the things Jesus taught about and in what Jesus fought for. And when in doubt, if you're not sure if it's right or wrong or if you should say something, teach what Jesus taught and take more time to process the things he didn't. Literally, almost all the harsh debates Christians have today with others are not about things that Jesus talked about or taught about. It's in understanding Scripture or the way of Christians. I'm not saying it's wrong to speak on things that Jesus didn't speak about, but are you doing it in love, the way our model, Jesus, did it? As I wrap up today, I want you to think about the four things we talked about that the disciples did. They actually spoke... They spoke about what they believed in. They knew their audience, and they spoke in love. I know these seem super simple, and maybe you knew these ahead of time, but do you feel bold about following through with one of these? Honestly, I don't love this message. I don't love it. Or the idea of being bold with words out and about with other people. But this is what's modeled in Scripture. Scripture wants us to not be ignorant into learning about God, and it points for us to share and speak to particular people with the intention for them to experience God's love. How do you need to do that, or who do you need to do that with this week? I'm going to pray and ask God to make that reveal to us, that person, how we should address it, and if you want God to reveal that to you as well, you can pray with me right now.
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for teaching us on, on how to speak out, how maybe not to speak out. God, I just pray that uh, you give us direction on how to handle tough conversations sometimes. Give us direction on how to share our faith with others. And God, I just pray that you really make it obvious of who we need to do that to this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.